Welcome to this special edition of the Sunday Sermon Podcast. My name is Paul Etterling. I am the lead pastor of the Westerville Free Will Baptist Church and the moderator of the Franklin Conference of Free Will Baptists. This podcast is a bonus podcast from the Sunday evening worship of the Franklin Conference Revival. The evangelist for this meeting is Edwin Hayes. The title of this sermon is How's Your Heart? It is taken from Ezekiel 36, 26, in which God is promising to Israel that he would remove their stony heart and give them a heart of flesh. Due to technical difficulties, we were unable to record the full sermon. Let's join the sermon already in progress. Slaves, if you will, uh, they were in terrible condition. They were discouraged. Uh, they were defeated. Uh, they needed some help. They lost everything, it looked like. But God, in these scriptures, through Ezekiel, said, I've got something for you. Now, they may have thought about, uh, boy, I'm going to get my city back. I'm going to get my land back. But God wasn't talking about that because a lot of times we think about what we need from God, maybe is this or that. The main thing we need from God is something for our heart. And, you know, the other things, can they can come behind that, but you get your heart right, uh, that's how you have revival. So we see that's what God is promising them. I'm thankful there was years ago I needed a heart transplant. And thank the Lord He gave me one. Have you had a heart transplant? Do you need a heart transplant? Well, what we want to look at tonight, how's your heart? And we're going to see the first heart transplant that we read about in the Scripture. Actually... When you think about a heart transplant, there are two results from a heart transplant. One is inward, and the other is outward. One on the inside, one on the outside. So we're going to see first off in verse 26 of Ezekiel 36, an inward change. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Could you imagine going to a doctor, and he says, i got bad news for you. Your heart is uh, made of stone. That's what he said to Israel. You have a stony heart. That's their condition. Well... When you think about when somebody would say, or a doctor would say to you, I've got a heart of stone, what would come to mind? Well, the first thing I would think about if somebody told me I had a heart of stone, I would think that's got to be a dead heart. You see, Israel had a dead heart. A dead heart is not sensitive to God. A dead heart can't feel anything. A dead heart has no life in it. I think of that man named Nabal in the Old Testament that withstood David. It says in 1 Samuel 25, 37, it says his heart died within him and became a stone. And it wasn't very long after that that he died um, himself. 
Do you know when you think about the New Testament, God tells man that he's not just hurting. He just doesn't need a boost because some people think that's what we need. But the New Testament says we were dead. You remember Jesus when somebody wanted to bury their family and then he would follow Jesus? What did he say? He said, let the dead bury the dead. That lets you know, hey, a person that's outside the mercy of God isn't living. And you know, you can't be dead, dead, or deadest. It's dead or alive. It's one or the other. And then Paul told the Ephesians, we were dead in our sins. We were unable to feel the presence of the Lord. We were spiritually dead. If you ever wonder why this world is the, is the condition it's in, they are dead. I know sometimes you think, why can't they see what they're doing? They're dead. A second thing when you think about the condition of Israel's heart being a stony heart, it was a cold heart. You see, Israel had a cold heart because they had nothing inside that would warm it. They were indifferent to the things of God. That's why they were in captivity. That's why somebody else was in charge of them, and they didn't care. Do you know that Satan causes men to have cold hearts? I stop and think about Judas. Uh, There's a verse in the Bible that says that Satan entered into him, entered into Judas. And what did he do? He cold-heartedly went out and betrayed the best friend he would ever have and sold him for 30 pieces of silver. How do you sell the Lord for that if you don't have a cold heart? That's what happened when you have a cold heart. If God would put a thermometer on your heart, what would it register tonight? How about us? Do we have some cold hearts? This society sure does. This society is self-centered. It is selfish. It is not concerned about God. We are cold-hearted when we can abort the number of babies that we do, when we can ignore the Word of God, when we can see the damage that it's doing and continue on doing it. That's cold-hearted. You think about the story of the Good Samaritan. There's a man laying in the road, and a priest comes by cold-heartedly walks away. A Levite walks by, cold-heartedly walks away, not concerned with anyone. When I think about a stony heart, I also think about a heavy one. Stones are heavy. Israel had a heavy heart. You see, they were guilty, and they were bearing their punishment. The reason they were in captivity and their country was destroyed, they they had become um, rebellious against God, and now they were bearing their judgment and their hearts were heavy. And here they are enduring sorrow, discouragement, despair, depression, and defeat. Does that sound familiar? That sounds like people today. 
that sounds like a lot of people that I have never seen a time where more depression when you think people ought to be happy and they are not. There's a reason. When you have a heavy heart, you can't be happy with God. It's a heavy load to live in disobedience. The book of Romans says that mankind stands guilty before a just God. You see, one of the reasons I think we're having such a difficult time getting people saved today is to try to get them lost. They do not understand that they are lost. Uh, Dr. Forline said this, we're trying to give them the good news before they know the bad news. Mankind is guilty before God. And a lot of times we're talking about hurt people being hurt. A lot of the reason that we're hurt is because we are living in rebellion against God. That's a whole lot of the reason that we are hurting today. And in fact, if you look at the book of Romans, the wrath of God is revealed against heaven, against all unrighteousness. And it says man has no excuse. He stands guilty before God. We're not hearing that today. But we are guilty without God. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's why Felix trembled when Paul preached to him. That's why the people on the day of Pentecost, they cried out, what shall we do? Because they realized their guilt before God. And that's why men don't want to talk about it today. That's why they do not want the name of Jesus brought into our conversations. That's why they don't want His name mentioned in society. Like I've, I've mentioned before, if they didn't believe any more about God than they say they do, why would they care if you had ten manger scenes in the public? Why do they care if it's nothing to it? There is something to it. That's why they care. Because man has a heavy heart before God, and he doesn't want to think about that. How heavy is your heart today? Then a fourth thing about a stony heart, it would be a hard heart. Israel surely had a hard heart. They were stubborn. They were rebellious. They were determined to go their own way. They would not listen to God's warnings. They would not listen to God's prophets. They would not obey God's Word. The Bible warns us about our hearts becoming hard. The psalmist gave this command to us, harden not your heart. See, it's possible for you to have something to do with your heart getting hard in the day of provocation. Proverbs 29.1, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Jeremiah called upon Israel, and he said to them this, Break up your fallow ground. And what that means is, uh, you know, when you're planting uh, and the ground gets crusty and hard, uh, seed can't get in. So that's why you have, when you have a garden, you've got to cultivate it. You, you've got to break up the hard ground. That's what revival does. That We look at our lives, and there's so many things in this world that can harden our hearts. 
And that's why we have revivals that we can cultivate and we can break up the ground so the seed can get in. There was one time a man, his daughter passed away, and the pastor was a a well-known pastor many years ago, George Truitt. And he asked Pastor Truitt if he could go with him uh, to the cemetery when they were going to bury his daughter. And he agreed to it. And while they're on there, the, he found out why the man wanted to. He said, Pastor Truett, I remember years ago when I would come to your church and I would hear the Word of God and it would trouble me. And I remember when they would have the altar call, I, I would hold on to the seat. Uh, after service, I would walk around and I would be so concerned and I would promise myself that next Sunday I would go. And of course, this went on week after week, and he never did. And then he said to Pastor Truett this, I, I have to admit to you, I, I know that you're a better preacher now than you were then. But, but I've got to tell you, your preaching doesn't move me at all. Pastor Truett said, I didn't have the heart to tell him what had happened. But he had allowed his heart to become so hard that it couldn't be penetrated now. Do you know there are people that have gone so far, they've said no so long that nothing's getting through to them anymore. And I stop and think about this society. You wonder if they were not close to that tipping point in this society. If something doesn't happen, this society is in deep, deep trouble. You wonder how far that we've gone. How about your heart? How hard is it? And the longer a person rejects God's Word and the Holy Spirit, the harder his heart becomes. Well, I am so thankful that that verse doesn't end with a stony heart because God says, I'm going to replace that one. I'm going to take that one out. Thank the Lord. I don't want that one anymore. Do you? And he says, I'm giving you a new one. Now, what's the condition of Israel's new heart? It's called a heart of flesh. Now, what's a heart of flesh like? Well, first off, it is alive. It is a living heart. It is pumping blood to all the vital organs. And I want to tell you, when you got your blood flowing well, you feel a whole lot better. When your heart's pumping right, you feel a whole lot better than when it's not pumping right. And you see, a living heart is going to be sensitive. It's going to be sensitive to the things of God. It's not going to be indifferent to the things of the Lord. And you know, when a person that's got a living heart and they do something against God, they feel it immediately. They don't keep going. They feel it. They know that they've got to do something about it. That's a living heart. That is why Jesus, when he was talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was, I mean, he was really interested in what Jesus had to say, but Jesus got right to the issue. He said, if you're going to get inside the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. You know what he's saying? You're dead, Nicodemus. You need to come alive. You need to be born again. And Paul said that Christians should reckon ourselves alive unto God. 
Are you alive unto God tonight? You see, a heart of flesh is alive. A second thing about this heart of flesh, it would be a warm heart. 98.6 degrees. This would be a heart like Jesus had. This would be a heart that was full of love. This would be a heart that was full of forgiveness. And this would be a heart that was full of compassion. This is the kind of heart that is a new heart of flesh. Now, I mentioned two people walked by that poor man laying in the road, the uh, Levite and the priest. There was the third man that walked by, and that was the Good Samaritan. He went to where he was, took him to a place of peace and safety, paid his bill, said if anything happens to him in the future, I'll pay that one too. Thank the Lord, that sounds like Jesus. Consecration takes the place of selfishness. Hard things now become easy to do when you have a warm heart. A heart of flesh, a third thing, would be a light heart. It would be free and it would be unshackled. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. I am so thankful today there's no condemnation. If you have Jesus as your Savior, thank the Lord, you're no longer guilty, you're no longer burdened, you're no longer worried about a judgment for sin because it was taken care of at the cross of Jesus Christ. One time a man was carrying a bag of potatoes. He was a Christian, and there was a skeptic that saw him carrying those potatoes. And he walked up to him, and he said, how do you know you're saved? Well, the man didn't say anything. He just took a step or two and dropped that sack of potatoes. And he asked the man, he goes, now how do I know that I dropped that sack of potatoes? I didn't turn around. I didn't see. That guy said, well, that's easy. He said, you could tell by the lightning of the load. He said, that's exactly what happened when I came to the Lord. The load became lightened. And I don't have that guilty feeling anymore. I don't have that condemnation anymore. Thank the Lord I know I'm saved. I don't have that feeling of sin and sorrow. And then a fourth thing about a living heart, a heart of flesh, would be a soft heart. This would be a heart that would be pliable, flexible. This would be a heart that would be receptive to the things of God. This would be a heart that would be humble. This would be a heart that would be willing to listen, willing to repent, willing to change. Well, that's the inward change. There is an outward one. And if you're getting worried, the outward one's not going to take as much time as the inward. Verse 27. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And ye shall keep my judgments and do them. You know when they have a heart transplant? They put plenty of monitors on a person with a heart transplant. They want to make sure that heart is working. 
There's all kinds of things they're looking at. They want to see how the rhythm of it. They're wanting to see how it's beating. They, they, there's all kinds of things they want to know when they have a heart transplant. So they want to know if it's working right. Well, how do you know if God's new heart that he's given you is working right? What is the outward evidence of a new heart? Now, you'll see there in verse 27... Uh, when he puts his spirit within us, you'll see there's three things that you'll do. Um, one is you're going to walk in his statutes. Number two, you're going to keep his judgments. And number three, you're going to do them. <laughs> it's very easy to see how, if your heart's working right is if we have obedience unto the Lord. Now, Jesus told us that. Um, in John 14, 15, he says this to us. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. This isn't rocket science here. And then he said in John 14, 21, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Jesus said, it's not hard to find out if you love me. You're going to be doing what I say. You're going to be keeping my word. And in John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said unto them, If a man love me, he will keep my words. Now, this obedience here, because I know what people think when you use the term obedience... They're, they're worried about getting punished or they're getting worried about, you know, having some kind of penalty if they do something wrong. That's not the kind of obedience we're talking about here. This obedience is not motivated by fear. It isn't motivated by dread. But it's motivated by our affection and our love of God. Notice how that the Lord equates obedience and love in these verses. He puts them together. This obedience says, Lord, I am happy to do your will. I glory in doing what you want me to do. Jeremiah put it this way, I'll put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. And we see in the book of Galatians, you'll see, if you want to know if your heart's working right, you'll have these. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Notice there's no law here. We're talking about love when you have a new heart. I think of Zacchaeus when he got saved, got out of that tree, and he comes out of there and he says, half my goods I give to the poor. Now, this is a publican. I, I can imagine there's a whole lot of mouths wide open here. And if I've stolen anything, I'll give them back fourfold. What's happened? Jesus said, salvation's come to this house. That's what's happened here. Now, Jesus didn't tell Zacchaeus, to do all those things, did he? He just knew if he loved the Lord, he, was, he wanted to do something 
that showed that his life had changed. Bishop Moore tells a story about a, a boy that was one day out swimming in a lake by himself, and he got into trouble, and uh, he couldn't swim, and he started, he had gone down two times, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he felt an arm underneath him. A man had seen him in trouble, swam out there to him, grabbed a hold of him, and brought him back to shore. Well, the boy, after he finally got settled down, was able to breathe and everything seemed to be okay, he said, thank you, sir, for saving my life. And Bishop Moore said, I'll never forget what he told me. It was, he was talking about his own life. The man said, just make sure you were worth saving. He never forgot that. Make sure you were worth... He never knew the man's name. Now, when you think about a heart transplant, you think about the cost of it. And it, it's... No, nobody here could pay for a heart transplant. I mean, you're going to have to have a willing doctor. You're going to have to have a willing um, hospital. You're going to have to have somebody willing to give their heart up. I mean, it, it's high cost for a heart transplant, right? Wouldn't it be terrible if somebody lost their life, you took their heart, and you had all that team, you had that doctor, you had the hospital, and they put a new heart in a man, and he walks out of that hospital one day, everything's okay, and goes out and commits a murder. You think, what a waste. You mean to tell me all that expense, all that effort, just to allow a man to go out and kill somebody else? Well, you think about what Jesus did and the cost, what he did on the cross, paid for it with his blood. And he did it for you. Should any of us walk out of there and live like we lived before? Should we do that? We should never do that. What's the condition of your heart? Does anybody here have heart trouble? Um, if so, why not come with your cold, dead, heavy heart and let Him give you a new one that's alive? And for the Christian might be good for us to ask, is God getting a good return on His investment to me? He changed my heart. Is God getting something back from what He has done for me? Thank you for downloading this bonus edition of the Sunday Sermon Podcast recorded during the Franklin Conference Revival. The speaker for this revival has been Edwin Hayes. If you would like to know more about his ministry, you can visit the web at ohiofwb.org. I am your host, Paul Etterling. I hope that you have been challenged by this sermon and will join us tomorrow for another bonus edition from the Franklin Conference Revival.